This is Jimmy Jernigan, and you're listening to Daily Dose of Wood Podcast. What is going on, Daily Dose of Wood patients? Today is fucking Friday. Happy Friday, October 2nd. Big weekend ahead, first week in October, and we're getting close to the end of the year, and I feel like the year hasn't even started. It's been quite a long year. 2020 is one that we will not forget. We got a big, big special guest joining us today. We got pro free runner Jesse LaFleur, who J.J. Watt called the Michael Jordan of parkour, the world's most recognizable professional free runner and the number one most subscribed pro free running and parkour athlete on YouTube in the whole entire world. He also works as a stuntman and actor in commercials, TV, and some of Hollywood's biggest hit films like X-Men Apocalypse, where he worked as the stunt double for Nightcrawler. He's guest starred in Hawaii Five O, as well as the lead motion capture artist for some of the biggest selling video games on the market like Uncharted 4. And you may have seen him on American Ninja Warrior, where he holds some of the fastest times on the qualifier courses. This guy also has his own shoe. I won't give away too much more. We get into everything from the behind-the-scenes stuff in Hollywood to some of the stunts he's done to the current show or movie he's working on right now in Atlanta. So let's get right into it. Without further ado, Jesse LaFleur. Jesse, how we doing, my man? I'm good. How are you? Good to have you on. We were just talking before we jumped on here that you are currently in Atlanta shooting a movie. So I think we should start with that. I mean, let's hear about that. Well, I wouldn't say I'm actually shooting a movie just quite Okay. The, the, the process of COVID for this particular film um, is insane. They're, they're calling it kind of like the strictest uh, COVID protocols of any film that's being made right now. Wow. Um, and what that means is this room you see behind me is where I've been for four days. I got another four days before I'm even allowed to walk out that door. Uh, the entire hotel is, is owned right now by the production. It's run very crazily. Like in the next two months, I'll be working on this, this project um, for two months straight. And during that time, we'll only be allowed to literally go from the hotel to set and back. So even our weekends, if we have days off, we have to be in here. So That's crazy. crazy. Yeah, it's wild right now. But um, it's, a, it's a giant Netflix film. It's got probably three of the biggest stars in Hollywood on it. Um, they they started shooting, I think, pre-COVID. Um, and now this is them coming back in to try to finish the film. And I'm assuming you got a good amount of action scenes coming up on this show? Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, right, the, the other part you got to understand is because this process of even getting onto set is so crazy. The thing about stunts is we're we're the replaceable ones. You know, we come in, we either get taken down, shot, maybe we get injured, hopefully not. Um, but once we're seen, we're kind of thrown into the trash, All right? Well, we can't reuse the stunt guy because, you know, people in the audience are going to look at it and go, isn't that the same guy? Yeah, yeah. Um, so with us right now, it's very interesting because, you know, that's why I got this, like, scruffy beard. I don't grow beards very often. No, I like it. At it but <laughs> um, the hair is as long as I could get it. And, and it's really so that, like, you know, if, if they burn our image, if they were up there and we get seen, maybe they can shave the head, shave the beard, and okay. then uh, give us another spot somewhere in the film because otherwise they have to take someone else 
bring him in, put him in for eight days of quarant- uh, isolation quarantine. Then it's, so it's like, it's, it's kind of wild, but. Um, All the yeah. behind the scenes stuff that you don't usually hear about. It's crazy how yeah, much yeah. work and effort I mean, goes into it. Yeah, for sure. And this is definitely a different situation than I've ever been in working on a project like this. Um, so it's a bit daunting. Two months away. I have a 10 month old son. So yes, that's right. So I, I can't bring them here. They can't be here. So I won't see him face to face for the next two months. Which Damn. Is pretty wild. Yeah. So you've done you've done quite a number of TV shows and movies. JJ Watt actually called you the Michael Jordan of parkour, which is uh, quite the compliment to get. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How is shooting uh, Ultimate Tag with him and that show and, you know, the concept and the grasp behind that? Yeah, I mean, it's my life's been interesting because, like, I'm often the the stunt double who's hiding his face, but I've also had the roles like Hawaii Five O or Magnum P.I. or Lethal Weapon where I'm the actor, right? They, I'm in front of the camera, so we're constantly switching it up. But the, the, the shows like Ultimate Tag or Ninja Warrior, which I've done really well on, um, are are even more different. I mean, Ninja Warrior is like its own beast because it's like yeah. this whole build up and let down and a build up and a let down and um, it's pretty wild. But Ultimate Tag's kind of cool because we're characters. We are we're the main cast, so we're coming back every week. And it's not even every week. Um, one of the things that a lot of people didn't realize or shouldn't realize because that's kind of the movie magic of it all is that we're shooting all of those episodes like back to back to back to back and because we had the biggest stage in los angeles um for our show they would build the stage one course and we would run every episode in like two days so we you know that's why some of the episodes like you're looking at taggers and you're like man he looks tired why is he tapping out you know it's like yeah because he just ran 13 or 10 different races um that day and uh so so people were gonna get in beat up a little bit um because of the amount of like work that the taggers had to do because we're constantly going in going in going in while the contestants technically came in around their stage one and then sat down for a couple days or three days until they built stage two right and then they came in you know so um but it was it was a blast and you know the watts were so fun to work with and they're just you know they're brothers so they have that that chemistry that's just like they never stop messing around with each other no they're entertainers they're the best yeah rewind a little bit how did you first get into parkour and was it even called parkour when you first started no it was it was definitely called parkour but the i'd say the thought process behind it was so different i mean people back in when i started considered it more of like a martial arts like a physical training of you know mobility and body control okay um but I got started about 15 years ago. Um, I came from action sports. So I grew up riding motorcycles and dirt bikes and, or quads and um, skating, surfing, everything. So, like, when I, when I discovered it, for me, it was, like, a, an extension of action sports. It always lived in that space because I, I came from a place of always seeking the next sort of, like, feeling of flight. Right. Um, which, for me, was a really interesting digression of – uh, action sports because I started on motorcycles and then I really got into dirt jumping BMX. Um, and then that kind of, as the same time that was happening, I was skateboarding and I was trying to go pro rollerblading. So I was really learning how to like flip on blades and boost as much air as I possibly could. So we kind of went from this motor shocks, wheels, cranks, bearings to like just me and my body. 
Um, and, and that I think was probably the most intriguing part of it is that one, I didn't need anything to do it. I could do it anywhere at any time. And two, I was solely responsible for the, the ability to leave something, to launch myself into the air, but also responsible for absorbing all that impact and figuring out how to land. What is the proper way to land? You see, I'm sure you've seen, like, are you supposed to roll every time? Or it depends how high you're jumping? At the end of the day, it's it's dissipation of movement, right, of physics, right? So, like, even if you watch, like, a skateboarder bail really hard, they have really interesting techniques, and they're not, like, rolling out smoothly because they can't, right? They're landing backwards, and but you'll see them, like, hit the ground and just push themselves into, like, as much slide as they can so that the momentum isn't coming downward it's actually getting pushed across the ground and um that's it i mean yes rolling is like your number one ability to like get rid of that dangerous impact um but a lot of times we're put in positions where a roll might not work whether we're too close to a wall or Mm -hmm. i actually i actually fell from like a 20 uh, 20 plus foot thing i had to kick off the wall and i was i was in this alleyway you say that so so casually (laughs) (laughs) I was in this alleyway and I couldn't, there was no way I could roll. There's nothing I could do. So all I did was like, I landed and, and like literally like crossed my legs, like into the like Indian style. Insane. Um, and, and it was like, I had, it wasn't like I planned it. I just hit and kind of rotated my body so that the momentum was going somewhere beside my right. heels. And I ended up bruising my heel pretty bad anyway, cause it was a straight down fall. But I think that little bit probably helped get a lot of that Break the fall. out of the body um and that was you know that's not something i ever trained it's just like as you do more and more movement you start to understand how to yeah. dissipate it or play with it differently now i'm assuming you've seen the office before and i don't know if you know where i'm going with this question <laughs> but have you do you get asked a lot about that that scene where they're doing parkour and where you were you on set for that one no no that was that was before i was working in hollywood but um i I know the guys that were in the clip that they used from back in the day. Um, but no, it gets brought up all the time. And it's very interesting to me because I've had like different conversations with different people about it. Cause at first I, the really, you're like, man, that thing ruined parkour. Like it gave people this, the wrong image. Like, yeah. And, and it gave someone like, it gave everyone this ability to like kind of poke fun at it without even wanting to understand it. Mm-hmm. But if you really watch the episode, it did an incredible job of saying like these idiots aren't doing parkour because it when that episode came out it came at a time where like yeah you had a lot of americans that were like trying to do it but like didn't get behind what it really was so if you really break down outside of them just screaming parkour and like doing leapfrog and stuff um he actually talks about it in a pretty genuine way so and and there's actually like weird parts of the culture in it like you have his buddies filming him jump into the thing. Yeah. Bridge box that collapses. And like, I, I often say parkour is so much more, it's kind of like hip hop where like, it's not just about movement. Like hip hop isn't just rap. Hip hop is graffiti. It's turntables. Right. It's break dancing in parkour and free running. It's, it's so, it's, it's a weird mix of like, obviously movement, but it's, it's like weirdly like fashion based and it's very much video, um, like recording based uh, because it, it exploded at a time where social media and video platforms like YouTube were really like mm-hmm. exposing the world to the possibilities of, of our human body. So um, it, it's, it's got an interesting covering of like 
most parkour athletes can edit like no one else like you can film that's a big part of it too right editing and filming and the way it looks and how you show it to the people who are viewing right yeah yeah because you're you're essentially trying to tell a story and like you can shoot anything on a wide lens and just like oh cool but like part of where my life started going was like really dissecting like how do you tell an audience someone who's never seen parkour how difficult something is or how precise your foot has to land on on a specific point um so a lot of times where i'm focusing on the shoes and the feet and the like where the foot placement's going and then like how you know obviously telling the story of how big something is or how small something is that you might be stepping off of you have the world record for the longest parkour chase in hawaii 5 right because that scene was crazy watching it all play out from like the beginning to the end yeah i think it's I don't even, I don't think it's an official record. I don't know if Guinness ever was like, yeah, it's a record, but like based on everything that anyone's ever sent me or read, or they, they say it's, um, it's the longest chase scene. And what's cool about it is the longest foot parkour foot chase scene, right? Where like, it's not like I jump in a car and it's this long thing. It's literally just me running. And the cool part about doing that project was, well, first off, it was two weeks that we got to shoot in Hawaii. That um, must've been crazy. Week. Yeah, that was I mean, beautiful was dream, dream come true for sure. Uh, the first week, it was technically three weeks because they flew me out for one week of just scouting, like literally bringing me up on rooftops throughout Hawaii being like, what can you do here? Anything? You see anything that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> Can't beat that. Like the view's really nice. Yeah, maybe <laughs> let's, let's go check out Keep another checking. Room, you know? Yeah. So um, that, was, that was a really cool project because it, they involved me so much. It was so much like, what can you do in this space? How can we then build in the, the other actors that are the main actors on this show to like chase you or like, what are the elements? So I had a really big hand in designing the chase itself. And then really like, they let me, they just trusted me. Like there was a couple things on that job that I was like, I was like, yeah, I think I could um, run off this roof, step off that wall, jump over that death gap onto that roof that we haven't checked yet. And then jump off that roof over that death gap to that little, platform unbelievable this the the stunt coordinator's like uh you think you can do that and i was like oh shit like i can't you're you're saying you're you saying (laughs) you can film that like (laughs) i was like uh yeah and then of course i say yes and then on the day it freaking rains because it's hawaii it rains all the time and now they're still just waiting for the rain to stop a little bit so that they can continue to shoot but i'm running off of a wet pebble roof and stepping off a wall that if my foot slips there's nothing to catch me like i'm literally dying like it's not like uh, yeah, there's a mat down there. No, there's no mats down there. There's no nets. There's TV, man. We're moving fast, and we're in an alley that you can't get cranes or anything in. So um, we ended up, yeah, it was, it was pretty – a lot of the stuff we did was pretty sketchy, and they just trusted that I was telling them the truth and that I was capable of doing it. Is that how it goes down for most of the movies and TV shows that you do, just trust, or what, what safety aspect plays in? Yeah, it's a mix. I mean, movies, you know, I've, I was Nightcrawler in the last two X-Men films, stunt double Nightcrawler in the last two X-Men films. And, like, some of those bigger pro- budget projects, you have more time to, like, rehearse and practice and throw mats and put on wires if you need to. And um, not to say that things don't go wrong because there's some of the gnarliest injuries I've seen have been on the bigger films because they're trying to do the biggest stunts. Mm-hmm. Um, but with TV and commercials, often they're so quick. Right. They're shooting a whole episode in like five days or something. So um, you come in for a day and it's all right. This is what you're going to do. So things move fast, but it is it's it's a trust and it's a relationship between you and your stunt coordinators and riggers to really like 
just know that you're going to be safe. Because if I say I can do something and then get injured, it makes the stunt coordinator look bad. He might, he might right. not work again. You know what I mean? So um, it becomes a big circle of like trying to really learn who's capable of what. Um, and then as a person, you know, delivers and does stuff safely and successfully and um, then, then you continue to work together. So. I'm assuming you have very good ankle strength. My ankles are terrible. I've always had to get them taped up before sports games, sports events. Do you get them taped up ever or do anything like that, get your wrist taped? No, very early on I had some serious ankle injuries. Um, kind of like, yeah, it was pretty bad one really early on, and then that took a little while. Like I didn't I, – I impacted my ankle so bad. Actually, this was on one of my earlier jobs. Um one of them was just like a bad ankle sprain and I got over it. But then I got out here and had to stunt double a a character in a movie called run and had this line. I was landing on a box and the way that I had to do, I swing off this thing, drop to this box and I was landing on the corner. So both ankles kind of impacted out in like this. And I landed so hard that the, I didn't fracture the bone. I squished the, the honeycomb membrane inside the bone like the bone was flexible enough that it didn't crack or break but i essentially like fractured in the interior of the bone um so i had i had definitely been through a lot of shit uh when it comes to injuries but um i was uh, the more and more i wore ankle braces the weaker it felt like my ankles were getting so i'd show up to competitions i felt weird about putting ankle braces on and um so eventually i just like weeded myself off of it and then when we uh designed the LaFlare pro signature model tempest shoe i was like well let's put ankle straps in so if anyone wants a little bit of ankle support um because they're going for something slightly bigger maybe it takes away a little bit of their mobility because they can really yeah. tighten it if they want it at least protects them from the most common injury in our sport which is right call it like ankle thing or hot pockets or like it just essentially spraining your ankles over and over again how is it having your own shoe your own shoe line that's i feel like that's just the coolest thing to say that you have your own shoe and what goes into designing a a parkour shoe like what aspects fabric stuff like that how'd you design it yeah i mean the process was crazy it took it took three years before we went into production and had our shoes done um we spent a lot of time with elements like, hey, I want an ankle strap, but I want it to be functional, right? Now Mm -hmm. it's not just for looks. So now all of a sudden, you know, we're getting a sample from China. It's coming back. We got the materials right. Um, But when I crank the ankle strap, it hurts your bone or something. Like there was all these little things that would come up along the way, and it was like we just weren't comfortable with putting out a shoe that didn't – wasn't the most comfortable thing I could possibly wear. So really early on, the – the design concept was like, let's make a shoe that's like made for parkour. And if that, if that's possible, what does that look like? You mm-hmm. know, because um, right now you you look at a, any old bicycle, but you can't grind on a bicycle, a normal bike. You need pegs. Yeah. There's or your sprockets or everything's like built specific to what you're doing. Um, but parkour never had that. We just had other shoes from other companies. Uh, and as companies started, as parkour companies started to make sneakers, they were kind of just making sneakers based off other sneakers that pre-existed from other companies. So for us, we were the first company to do like a ground-up 
pro model shoe. We own the rubber, we own the, the foam compound, um, and then the materials that were chosen, everything we did. Um, so to answer, I guess, earlier, what I was saying was like, the what we did to design it as a specific shoe was we did um, what we call the extended precision zone. So we landed the ball of our foot. Um, got one on actually. There we got go. So we added a little extension here um, so that where we land, you actually have more surface area. More surface area equals more, more grip. Mm -hmm. So with with that like very little detail, for me, it's like, well, that's huge. I mean, you're yeah. giving someone a, a millimeter or two of like extra grip in the, in the one thing that we do the most, which is land on the balls of our feet. Um, outside of that, we did some unique things, obviously structure, double stitching, everything for like the sake of keeping a our shoes intact because throughout the 15 years of training leading up to it, you know where a shoe blows out the most or where a toe will peek through after you sure. wear a shoe. Um, but we did some unique things like the ankle strap is also like you can wear it in the back. It's a lifestyle where now it's not really a high top. First off, it's also the first high top parkour shoe ever made. That's dope. Um, but we designed it in a way where the high top is not actually limiting. This is actually like a sock liner. So if you're not wearing the strap, it's pretty much like a lower mid top um and uh yeah and then we did things like the sock liner and all that stuff and um, looks great yeah it's dope i mean we did some lace pockets because laces always get in the way of what we're doing um i did a padded tongue sometimes i flip off like the forefront of my foot by putting it on an obstacle or a rail mm -hmm. um so we just tried to like get creative with like what is unique to the sport uh even putting some extra padding in the heel because i do tricks like hitting off the the heel and doing flips and like so it was just kind of like a first step into like what is the unique features that a parkour shoe can have and how do we like dip our toes in it without like freaking people out too much yeah because even the even the high top freaked a lot of people out and we're like yeah i don't know if i want to buy that shoe and then they put it on they're like this is the lightest shoe i've ever worn and it, yeah it's, it's not like a fun it's a functional high top but it doesn't need to be worn as a high top always yeah for our listeners you know, listening right now, they can't see, but the shoe is, like, incredible, and the stuff that he's talking about doing is crazy, crazy parkour, and you could see this in your movie, right, Bound by Movement that you directed. I mean, that really probably gives a great perspective of what the actual parkour stuff you do and how death-defying some, some of the stuff could be. Tell me about Bound by Movement, the experiences you got traveling the world shooting that film. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I've, I've directed two films. Um, the first one I co-directed with my buddy, Corey. Uh, that one was called From Here to There. And what's cool about that particular film is it is it showed you the journey of us as, like, amateurs becoming pros. And wow. it's this journey of us, like, going to Europe for the first time, driving this path, winning these competitions, and ending up on the biggest podium of the sport together, um, which was amazing. So from that, you fast forward a couple years, um, two seasons of a show later, and then this, we get to Bound by Movement. And Bound by Movement was, it was all about this tour that I did called the La Flair Lace Up Tour, which was a promotional tour for the shoe. But we hosted 22 events in like 63 days around the U.S., driving around in a 33-foot tour bus with like some of the best athletes in the world. That's sick. So I knew once we were going to do it, and I fully produced every aspect of the tour so it wasn't like someone was like here's a fat check and a tour bus it was like you were working for it dream tour yeah i'm gonna do the biggest version of what i can imagine is possible right now and i'm gonna 
make it happen. Uh, so through that process, um, I also, besides driving the tour bus, hosting all these events, <laughs> um, selling merch and doing everything promotionally, um, I was also directing and shooting um, with a cameraman that I brought with me this film called Bound by Movement. So Bound by Movement's really like uh, a peek into like the pro-life of parkour uh, right now. You know, I'm hoping five years from now, it's not what it looks like in the dock. I, you know, I'm hoping Nike gets behind it and there's million dollar tours happening and competitions everywhere. Um, but right now it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good look at the life of a parkour and free running athlete. That's dope. And what is the show or movie that you're working on now or is that top secret? Yeah, I signed an NDA, which is a non-disclosure agreement, which legally bonds me from um, giving you the title of for the sure, movie. For sure, for sure. But it's a major Netflix film with three of the biggest stars in the industry. Um, I'm sure if you looked it up and just with those facts, you could probably figure it out. All right, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> Jesse, man, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Best of luck moving forward to you. Hope you can get back home soon and get the good filming done out in Atlanta. Until then, man, be good. Cool. Later. All right, guys, that wraps up this episode of the Daily Dose Wood podcast. I will see you guys next Tuesday. But until then, have a fantastic weekend. Have a lot of fun, but do not get in trouble. This is your boy, Jimmy Jernigan, signing off.